Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men, there's events for men and women, events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, some of the events that we do are for our one-time things and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry or whatever that might look like, uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and, and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email and feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hey, hey, welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Matt here, Brad here, and uh, story time. When I was 20, I, I went to New Zealand, and I was going to go to Australia. It was life lifelong dream of mine, a childhood dream, at least, to go to Australia. My parents were like, ah, you don't have long enough to do Australia. Go to New Zealand. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. There's a lot to do. So all over New Zealand, there's these people in these vans, smaller vans, but they were painted with all different kinds of cartoons and animations and stuff. And people just living in their vans i'm like this is a cool that's a thing in new zealand yeah it's like oh, everywhere okay. it's pretty cool or people yeah. like locals do it or or mostly i think probably people travel there and they do it for like months at a time and i thought i had missed the boat to live in the van life and here i find there's Cav- still time there's find, still time finder having and shannon yeah. with us they're showing us there's still time that's right they're empty nesters <laughs> living on the road and it's pretty cool so we're excited to have you guys here having Shannon yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, share, share about your life a little bit. I think it's pretty unique and cool. For well, what I heard you say is that we're old. So I caught that part very clearly. Um, good start, Matt. So good start. I, I appreciate your off a good start here, Matt. Uh, no, we appreciate you, uh, you having us on um, as well. So it's great to be here. <clears throat> so not quite a van, but uh, I'll, I'll yeah. kind of go to the beginning here. So uh, we are Javier and Shannon, founders of 24-7 Marriage, and we established 24-7 Marriage about 14 years ago, um, really with a desire. Uh, for us, it was kind of a, I had pastored for about, uh, gosh, 15, 16 years, uh, had done a lot of work in this area. But a common thread that was weaving through everything that we were doing was couples coming to us asking about marriage, dating, right? And so we just kept seeing this theme overall. Um, and just through education, through schooling, it just kind of was an area we just started moving towards. Um, and really, it's more, I think we always say that it kind of chose us more than we chose it. Um, and it became something that just flowed naturally from us. And this just love and this desire to work with couples. But what we begin to see is how the end was really coming and attacking marriages consistently. And so what we wanted to do is be able to kind of step into that place. And so as we've been running the marriage ministry for the last 14 years and working with couples and speaking and um, working across speaking across the U.S., we saw an uptick in a need, especially during COVID and during lockdowns. And in the midst of that, we said, what can we do to invest in the couples in a radical way? And 
and still continue to do the work that we're doing. So what we decided to do is we sold everything we had in California. Uh, like you said, we're everything nesters. And we got a 38-foot fifth wheel um, and that we fully gutted it and remodeled the whole thing. And it's fully wrapped. Uh, you know, it's not painted, but it's wrapped on the outside. Uh, it's got our faces on the outside and kind of a cartoon character type of theme. Um, and it's called the Marriage Lab and by 24 seven marriage. And so what we've done is we've been going across the US touring, uh, speaking at churches, doing marriage boot camps, doing workshops, um, and really seeing an incredible impact in the lives of marriages across the US. So it's been a pretty radical, a little over two and a half years. Almost three years, yeah. We were telling you before we started, 50,000 miles in about 34 plus states or so. Uh, so it's actually been um, pretty incredible seeing uh, the work that's been, that we're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. How many breakdowns have you had on the road? <laughs> Knock on wood, Matt. Why'd you say that? That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. None. None. We we work yeah. we work very well to ensure that um, that uh, we're safe in that respect and we're checking everything. But yeah, with the rest of God, we've we've had we've had nothing. Good for wow. you guys. That's awesome. That's incredible. And I mean, if those that are listening can't see, I'm looking at it right now. It looks amazing. Like. <laughs> Beautiful job. That's incredible. I love to live in that. Yeah. Or fifth wheel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so it's so a sometimes people get it, get it confused with like, you know, what it is that we're, you know, that we're in. So it's pulled, it's pulled by a truck. Um, so, you know, it's a, a little bit different than like your trailer, you know, just pulled by a hitch. Right. Uh, this is pulled by the bed of the truck. And yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I love that. That's amazing and um, good for you guys. Uh, so I didn't share this with you guys, but I'm part of Family of Canada. So marriage ministry is near and dear to my heart. And I'm so thankful to have you guys on uh, to talk about something today, too, uh, that definitely affects marriage. And that is our libido differences. <laughs> And surprise, surprise. We don't know anything about that. Don't know anything. <laughs> no. Us neither. So we're going to be all ignorant talking about this today. Yeah? It's again, it's again yeah, something I'll, Matt I'll dropped on us before the call. Like, hey, let's talk about this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know you guys you. can think quick on your feet. So you Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I know. And I trust you. I believe you. The first, the first, the closest thing we've ever done to this, it was so funny. It was, we did an episode on on uh, sexual compatibility this was like a year or two ago and we were doing a google search on on like beforehand on what is sexual compatibility and i found this article and it said at the start of the article that sexual compatibility is very very important for the success of a relationship and then it went on to say that sexual compatibility is when each person in a relationship likes the same thing and has the same uh, likes the same frequency of sex or like wow so no relationship so is gonna make it it's describing yeah. a unicorn essentially yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly I so that's, that. why, that's why i think it is important to, to go into libido difference and sorry brad mm -hmm. and i know i cut you off oh no no worries yeah so i mean we know that we're all different in this area every marriage husband wife we are different right and and libido is no uh, exception to that rule and so i would just love for you guys to maybe begin there um, talking about our difference in libido and feel free to use your own story because I know that you have something to share in that regard. But um, why is this so hard? Why is libido such a challenging thing in marriage? Well, I think first of all, social media and the movie industry and the television industry doesn't do us any favors, first of all. 
um, because they paint a picture of that compatibility that um, if you both don't like the same frequency at the same time from every season of marriage, then something's wrong with you. And we have 30 years behind us. And looking back, there are very, very short seasons where we were matched. Most short. Most seasons, his was higher, mine was lower, mine's higher, mine's lower. And we've we've had to work through those differences and figure out how to work together. But but there were a lot of roadblocks along the way. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I mean, and, and you you asked um right in terms of like, you know, why is this such a big issue? And I, and I think it is a, the picture that, you know, cultural society does paint, right? But it's, it's also this expectation that we have oftentimes, right, coming into, into marriage um, of what it should be like, right? That he should always... A preconceived idea. Yeah, like yeah, he should always, and if he doesn't, then something is wrong. Something's wrong with him. What is he doing? What is he looking at? What is he involved, right? And then what happens on the other side, which we can get into this a little bit more, um, is she may be thinking, well, what's wrong with me, right? There's a, a narrative, a story being played out now on that side. Oh, I thought that for years. Yeah, and so, so for us, like we're coming from a place like early on for us, I think, you know, it it was an absolute struggle. So we're just gonna come from the place of like our story, right? Um, it was an absolute struggle because I was probably a lot higher, um, a lot higher. And and typically most men peak, right? In their twenties and early twenties, right? Um, and most women is like later yeah. in life. And now that's not widely known by most, right? Cause they think men should just always, no matter mm -hmm. what, right? And mm -hmm. you know, society, culture, we, I mean, we, we joke about it when we're doing our workshops and we're doing our boot camps, right? You know, that, that women want to be wine and dine. They want, you know, love and cuddling and touch, you know, and non-sexual touch and all these things, right? And men are like, like, hey, just, just, sure. just show up, naked with right? Of food. Yeah, and we're we're, we're good. good to go, right? And the food's optional at that, you know, at that point. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's one of these things where um, we have learned how to navigate this, but we knew early on to answer your question. Like, um, I did feel honestly that, hey, if if I'm not in that place where my libido's there, then it's something wrong. And she was feeling like, hey, she wasn't there. And she had those same questions. And, and I think it plays to the, that dynamics within the marriage, I believe has an impact in terms of like how that couple is then communicating about it and connecting. And I think it then plays into other areas, right? It trickles down into other areas of that marriage. Um, so it does, I think, play a very significant factor, not just early on, but in every season of marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what does stop couples from talking about it and how could you coach someone on breaking through those communication blocks they, yeah they stop talking about it because it's an uncomfortable it's an uncomfortable topic and most of the time people approach it already on defense you know what i mean like they come mm -hmm. out their spouse like why don't you you never mm -hmm. you always and it's like whoa yeah you just or you up. should you, you should be you sh like, why don't you want me? Why yeah. don't you desire me? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so we always take the approach of like t teaching our couples, you need to step back and get an outside perspective of what's happening. Your spouse is not out to attack you. They're not against you. 
there are many factors that could be playing into it. And when we kind of give paint a picture for them, they kind of, they, you can see them deescalate. They're like, oh, okay. Cause it, cause you have to, you have to talk about things like how old are you guys? What season of life are you in? Is there medical conditions that you're unaware of? Um, did it, did somebody just go through some major trauma or the loss of a loved one? Like there's so many things that you have to consider and we're 30 years married and we're marriage coaches. We teach for a living and we still navigate this. Like we, we continually have the conversation, but we're not scared and we're not afraid of each other. Yeah. Um, we continue to talk to one another about yeah. it often. Yeah. And I think with, especially when I've been sitting with guys around this subject, right. When it does come up, um, they don't bring it up because well, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I? Right. Like what's taking place and that that fear, like Shannon just mentioned about bringing that up to their spouse and being vulnerable about it. Come on. And let's be honest here. Like most men aren't going to go to another guy and say, dude, my libido's down. Like something's wrong. Like I don't want to, I, I don't really want to have sex that often. I mean, cause most guys like buddies might say, well, what's wrong with you? Right. Cause their mindset is, well, you should, I mean, all guys do. That's what, that's what drives us. Right. And mm-hmm. in reality, I would say probably a large majority of those men actually at times struggle with the very same thing. So we've done some posts and some, and some, uh, some conversations around, um, man, it's okay. If this is you, it's okay. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong in the sense of like, you know, let's dig into this and find out because you're believing the narrative that society says you have to be the guy always, always, always. That may not be true for you in this season. Let's find out why. But it's also okay when you bring this to other guys. So as we have these conversations, we see a lot of men stepping up and saying, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm. that's exactly where I'm at, right? It absolutely flopped for us, right? Where she didn't have that much of a drive early on in marriage, and I did. And it came to a season of life, two things that happened. I think we can be really vulnerable and honest on here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Hope so. okay. Please. I hope so. I mean, we have been to this point. We'll continue to be. Um, <laughs> Like, I just, I, so two things happened. At the age of 37, I started having prostate problems at 37 years old. Problems that typically don't happen until like you're in your 60s or later, right? Um, so very young. That affected my libido, 100%. Medication I was on affected it. And I was afraid to even come and talk to people about it or even mention it, right? Or what are they going to think of me? So a lot of it was also controlled by me, by this place that I had, a, that I struggled with from family of origin, what would the guys think about me if I said this? They're going to think I'm less of a man or whatever it may be. What's wrong with you? So I would hold that in, right? Because I'm trying mm-hmm. to control the narrative of other people and what they think about me. So that plays into it. And so now mm-hmm. I'm navigating through that, and I just have no desire. I mean, no desire whatsoever. Um, and it was an absolute crazy thing. Like, I don't want to – I don't I, – I, she could have come at me, and I could be like, uh, okay, sure. It just wasn't it. Now, my desire for her was there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't desire my wife, I did. But that physical place of like engaging and, and moving towards her in that, um, I was in a place where I just didn't have a desire to do that. And that began, it, it has begun to shift and change over time yeah. where and her desire rose up, right? And there'd be a moment where I'd be like, do you just want to cuddle? Do you just want to hold me? Like, really? Is all I am to you? Right? Because her knee has gone up and I was kind of like right here. 
So we've had to engage in a lot of very yeah. difficult, hard conversations. And and you can speak to it like early on the narrative that was going through your mind. Oh, yeah. When it that was, began to happen. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare as a female. Mm. So you go through every scenario in your mind. And I know that right. women listening, wives are like, that's me. It's I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not whatever. And it's so I I did the things where it's like, I need to work out more. I need to wear a certain outfit when he gets home. I need to make sure that my hair and makeup's done so he's totally turned on. And I was trying to fix it on the outside because I figured if what he saw, that would flip the switch for him. Like that would click it. And I wish that I could say that in a couple months after some deep, hard conversations, it got better. But if I'm being honest with you, it was years. It was years. Mm. Now it has, it has zero to do with me. Like I know I am so secure in his love for me. And I know that he loves me. He tells me that I'm beautiful. He, he finds me attractive. Like I don't feel that physical weight, but it took years to, to rid myself of it. It took a lot of me on my knees and just asking for God to walk with me in that because I just, as a woman, you're just like, again, you know, society, the world we grow up in, it's like, I, my hair is done. I'm wearing a cute outfit. What, what more could I do? What did I do wrong? Why aren't you attracted? Why don't you want to have sex with me right now? And, and it took many years and we've worked through that and we're at a, we're at a healthy place right now, but we still have to have the ongoing conversation. And the thing with, with um, mixed libidos, and most marriages do, the small minority have matched ones, they're the minority, but most every other couple, majorities, they're somewhere, they're, they're up. What we tell couples is the, cup, the, the spouse with the higher libido needs to um, sorry, the spouse with the lower libido needs to rise to the level of that spouse with the higher libido. So we don't, we don't say to a spouse, because you have a lower libido, your spouse that has a higher need just needs to tone it way down and wait for you to catch up. So it it's this compromise and it's this conversation and, and it's really like a dance. Like you you and your spouse are having this dance, this conversation that you are you are inviting each other into. I know what season of life he's in. I know what's going on physically with him. And he also knows that I have a high need right now. And because our desire ultimately is to serve one another, not just in the bedroom, but serve each other with our life and in our marriage, in our covenant, that we're gonna, we're gonna do that sexually for each other because we desire to wanna care for each other's needs. So it's, it's really this, this, this song and dance that you have to do with your spouse and having these conversations and being comfortable enough to have the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. mm -hmm. um, in this, in the, I'll, I'll pause there to see if you guys have any comments on that. Sorry. Cause we'll just keep talking. Sorry. Yeah. But well, you, you <laughs> talk. it's, it's but great. I, I did have, I did have a question cause, uh, I'm picking up on a lot that you guys have grown in and work through in your marriage 
And creating that safety and security between husband and wife is an important part to have the conversations um, so that you can be vulnerable with one another. Because I, I know that often these conversations can be uncomfortable. And if you feel like you're sharing some real hard stuff, that's maybe hurting the other or you're perceiving it that it's hurting the other, you pull back, you withdraw and you stop sharing. And then that's when that gap starts to widen between you two and your intimacy starts to suffer. So I'm just so curious for you guys, obviously you've lived a lot of life together um, as husband and wife. How did you come to build that safety and security so you could be vulnerable and share about what's going on and listen to the other so that you have something to foundationally build out from? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think a lot of it for us is always started in, um, if you know Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you know, he, talk, he, talk, he talks about um, seek first to understand and then be understood. Um, and we kind of always approach that with one another is this place of, okay, how do I, how do I pause and understand where they're at, what they're navigating, where that's come from, right? Um, I, it, it's very easy early on that we could see like, you know, we can absolutely see the the problem and not see the person and not understand what is taking place and what is the reasoning behind that. And so for us, we've always approached it with, you know, hey, I believe the best in you. You know, you're not withholding or doing this because of whatever reason, right? Um, to be hurtful or malicious. Uh, but in, in, in this case, it's that there's something else Right. The thing is never the thing. Like what is actually really going on and being able to build that. And so I think when we come to one another, it's with that seeking to understand to hear. Right. Um, but then to truly listen. Right. To what is being said and what is taking place. And we've spent a lot of time to build that that emotional security, safety um, with one another because we are saying, I want to, I want to hear, I want to listen where you're at uh, and giving space for that. And there's times where it was very easy for me early on to defend what she might be saying. Yeah, but you don't know. And this is what, and this is happening here as opposed to understanding this was, it's very real to her and what's taking place and how she feels about it. It, and we, we, we are careful in the words that we use when we come to one another and how we unpack that, right? So that she so that she knows if she comes to me and says, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk. I want to talk. I actually pull back at those words. Why? Mm -hmm. Because growing up, my dad used to always say when I was in trouble, hey, we need to talk, right? So I relate it to that. And to her, she just wants to connect. So she's learned how to come to me within the right words, um, with the timing as well. All these pieces matter uh, to be able to be sensitive and understanding to where the other is at um, and to have the right, you know, the atmosphere around it and the timing, all those pieces around it. What would you say? Well, my answer would be completely different. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, and for us, um, our marriage is a covenant that is founded biblically on the word of God. So I have full rest and full security in my marriage and in my relationship with Javier based on the one thing that he's always done since day one. And that is he is humbly submitted and on his knees before Christ. And because he does that, I safely rest in our marriage. And I'm not afraid of any conversation, anything that will come our way or anything that will happen because of that. Now, he doesn't glow in the dark. 
He's mm. not. He's not There's perfect. Moments. He doesn't glow in the dark. Don't listen to him. <laughs> but he has always been on his knees before God, praying and lifting up, protecting, guard, guide, and governing our family. So I rest in that. Um, that's where my security comes from. It doesn't mean that there's not hard conversations or I haven't been scared or I haven't been frustrated or anything like that. But I am always secure in knowing that we will get through that because of that covering, that spiritual covering yeah. he brings to our marriage. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Brent? Make sure. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, and it's um uh really wonderful for us to hear kind of your process because um so often it's uh theory, right? But no, you've lived it. And um so we appreciate your your honesty and, and how you did create that safety and security. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, you referred to it earlier, and I'm wondering if you can go into what are some of the maybe side effects you could say of uh, miscommunication around libido and your sex life when things aren't so hot and you're not communicating well. It spills out into other areas of your marriage, and maybe oh, sometimes gosh. people, <laughs> maybe sometimes people can see like can connect the dots, and maybe sometimes not. And so, if you could speak to that, oh, that might 100%. be helpful. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, speaking from us, I think people can relate to that is, I mean, if you're not effectively communicating about this area, yeah, there's, there's resentment that, that builds up. There's bitterness that builds up. There is um, absolute frustration, right? Um, and what begins to happen is, and again, I'm going back to that again, because it's, it's what takes place. We've seen it time and time again with couples. Um, and it's happened with us, right? That, that narrative, that story begins to be built. So if you don't come to the table and sit and talk about this and have open dialogue, and I'm going to tell you, it's been hard for me. For her, it's not difficult to talk about all of this. It's not. Mm -hmm. For me, I grew up a bit prude. Um, it was never talked about at home. So think about family of origin, right? So that has this impact. Yeah. And so I didn't talk about those things. No one brought those things up, right? I had to figure it out. In addition to that, then when they came to talk about it, I'm like a giddy little schoolboy. When she mentioned something, I'm like, okay, you know, it's just ridiculous, right? I'm a grown 50-year-old man, but yet still those areas can be uncomfortable, right? Um, and so We've ensured that we're, we're, we're making space to talk about that. But I think what happens when we didn't early on, it would create a frustration because I didn't know how to talk about it and, and how to bring it to her or address what may be going on. And she was communicating her frustrations, but not in a way, right, where I was open to hear and to listen to receive. It was like, well, you and you and you. But behind closed doors, it was like, well, what's wrong with me, right? Yeah. So there was the blaming, but there was also the story being told to her, like, hey, you're not good enough. Do you see what happened in your past? Like, you're not worthy of being pursued that way. And that just began to get played out, played yeah. out. And so we have seen when couples don't engage in that, um, it, they begin to build even contempt for one another. Right. They're not. They begin to say, well, I always want it and you don't. So what you're basically saying is I'm you're better than me. Right. You're 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 healed in that area and I'm not. And so we begin to build that contempt for one another. Uh, so we've seen that time yeah. and time again. And even in our. In oh, our we've ourselves. seen it spill over in our own marriage, just in um, our attitude. Like we can quickly become really short with one another. Um, passive aggressiveness. <laughs> become short. <laughs> I already guys, am yeah. short. If you're not if you're not watching the video. Yeah, I'm pointing in that direction. It has spilled over into so many areas of our life, communication, the way we interact with 
with friends or with our kids. And the, the thing is, once you identify it and you, you can recognize it, then you know the source of it. So quickly, we can, we can pretty much identify within a few minutes of um, an irritability maybe that's going on. And it's like, you kind of go through your short list of, it, was it sleep? Was it a travel day? Was it this? Or like, no, it, it might be sex. And it's like, okay. And so we usually come to the table and we can identify it and get back on the same page. But we also have to remember that we're human. And and for me, I I need to operate from a place of grace where mm -hmm. I'm not so judgmental that if, because sometimes in my mind, it's like, Javier, we've talked about it. We know the solution. Why aren't you operating in what the solution is all the time? And it's like, well, we're human. We're flawed people. So we need to have a lot of grace and forgiveness for one another when we don't get it right. And um, yeah, and I had to learn, like, because there was frustration that was coming in, like, I had to learn how, to, how do I pursue her well in this? How do I move towards her even when it's not natural for me in this season? And we realized it could flop, right, as we move forward. Um, mine can increase and, and, and hers as she goes in the later seasons of life could shift again, right? Um, we get that. Um, but I think there's this consistency, right, of us building intimacy with one another. There's a consistency of how we're um, seeking to understand one another. There's a consistency of knowing that, hey, like, like we've been through these different seasons. It's going to be okay. Let's continue to stay at the table of communication and walk through this, uh, be open, be vulnerable with one another. Um, and, and, and again, like we mentioned earlier, seeking to understand where each, where each of us are at. And so I think there's a commitment that's made from the very beginning of your struggling with this, that it may be an ongoing thing that in various seasons of life, it could be, it could shift and it could go, go back. It could go back and forth. Um, but it doesn't change how we're going, what we're going to think about one another, um, and that we're going to come to one another and have those conversations. Um, and so it's very easy to allow this to be one of those issues that brings division. We're seeing it in couples. It brings disunity, division, it brings direction, right? Um, and mainly because, right, they'll come to us and we'll have a conversation. Have you talked about this? Oh, no. Well, mm. how, how long has it been? It's been, it's been, it's been months. months. It's been years. And you, you've never talked about it. No. But yet they're sitting there, right, wanting a solution to this, but they've never said, mm -hmm. I want to seek to understand, I want to come to that uh, that place where we can have a conversation about that, even though it's difficult and it's tough and I may not understand. And we do a lot of that with one another. Yeah. Like, I don't, I can't imagine what that feels like for you. I don't fully understand. I want to understand. I want to seek to understand like what, what it is that you're feeling and going through in yeah. that moment. But man, how many couples don't talk at all about it, right? They just retreat because they've already, they've already told themselves, this is the way it's going to go. This is what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. What's the role of forgiveness in this? The, the, the role of forgiveness? Yeah. We try to hold on to it as, as long as we can to one another and hang it over <laughs> each other's head. That's usually our goal. Um, and, and kind of pull it out of our back pocket later as a weapon. Like, here's a scorecard. 
Here's how many times I gave in. No. Um, <laughs> 15 years ago, remember yeah. the scorecard? Sounds you like remember that one time when we were in that hotel? And yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, the scorekeeping never works well. But the you, you want the answer? No, keep going. So the the role of forgiveness, I mean, I think is that that is so pivotal here. Um, because here, here's the thing is like when we step back and we really see the person recognize what's truly going on, that there's something underlying there. Like we never encounter in, in speaking with couples where they're talking about this symptomatic thing up here. But in reality, right, there's this deeper wound and brokenness. And what happens is like if we don't approach one another, even with empathy, right, to understand that, to come into that place with them, then we're not going to we're in those moments when we feel frustrated, we feel like. Hey, I'm trying to do my part. I'm trying to pursue them. Um, and their libido's low. They're just not engaging. Like I can build that resentment, right? And then I can allow unforgiveness to take root, right? Um, and then that just grows and grows and grows, and I grow bitter more and more. And so it's a, a huge piece, I think, is being able to release and to forgive your spouse. Um, but I think that I don't know if you even get to that place if you're able to slow down enough to ask, Hey, what, what's really happening here? Mm-hmm. Like truly, right. If we, if we can catch downstream, right. Some of that, or we can catch it upstream and say, Hey, like, this is what we need to address. Mm-hmm. And as we navigate this, this is how we commit to address it as we move forward and how to communicate about it so that we're not getting this place where there is this root of bitterness and we have to, you know, I, I mean, not that we're not going to be, you know, forgiving towards one another. Yeah. But, I think that for a lot of couples listening, you have to see this as a long game. And so often we look at the situations within our marriage like laundry, like I took it out of the dryer, I folded it, I put it away. We're done with that topic. And this is one of those topics that because we're evolving people, like every 10 years you evolve into another version of yourself. You're 10 years older, your your body's 10 years older, physically you're changing, like everything changes. So you can't assume what worked in year one of marriage for your sexual intimacy is going to work in year 30. That's just silly. So the the same pair of pants you wore at, at year one probably won't fit at year 30. Maybe they will. That's awesome. I still do. You're still do. <laughs> so we, we have to look at this as a long game and, and, know that it can be an ongoing revolving door conversation that you're going to keep revisiting it. And that, um, body language is so important in this conversation, how you conduct yourself. Are you folding your arms? Are you rolling your eyes when they say something, when they share about what they like or what they don't like or how they're feeling? Those are important things that you can either devalue or add value to the conversation because you're going to need to keep talking about this. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. We always say that between um, uh, desire and fulfillment don't happen in the same season, right? So there may be a desire for where you want to see, you know, uh, each other in terms of matching libidos or sexual drive, you know, is the same or the amount of time, all those kind of things. Like you may hope that those things are there, but ultimately like that's sometimes the desire and fulfillment don't happen in the same, in the same season. So the desire could be there, but you may have to wait for the fulfillment of that. And guess what? When you get to that place where you feel there's that fulfillment, it can switch at that point, right? It can flop. Right. That's really well put, actually. I've I've experienced that 
well, my wife and I both, I shouldn't say just say me, but thinking about the long game and just like, yeah, we have a desire, but it, maybe it's being fulfilled later on or things that are being fulfilled now or, or desire six years ago. And, and, but having that mindset of the long game has been really, really helpful for us. So yeah, I love yeah. it. I love everything you guys say, everything you guys put out on social media. It's where we connected on Instagram. And so where can yeah. people find yeah. you and what do you guys have to offer with 24 seven? Yes. Um, you can find us at 247 Marriage on all social media platforms. Our handle name is the same everywhere and anywhere you want to go. Our website is 247marriage.org. Um, the best way to get a hold of us would be through social media. Um, there you can find out about any upcoming workshops. We will be in Southern California in September, and we do have three more boot camps coming up remaining here in 2023 we will be in um Arizona, Flagstaff Arizona Oregon and uh Northern California that's awesome yeah oh, that's great thank yeah. you so much guys for for taking part in this with us uh, we probably have many more questions <laughs> uh, but this is, this is such an important topic we appreciate um how you guys have navigated this and uh, we can learn from you and others. And um, we're, we're just appreciative of you uh, just opening up your lives for us. And for all of, of all of you out there listening, I hope this gives you hope and just understanding that you can move closer to each other. Even if you feel like there's a gap here that you can come closer, you can get better as a married couple. And um, so we just leave that with you and thank you so much for taking part in this with us today. And we will hope that we'll see you next week. And we trust we will. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.